0: Hey, everybody, CJ Maurer back here with another recorded Zoom video chat as part of my podcast. I have Emily Hart here. Emily uh, is with Seeding Inc. Seeding Inc. is a generational chair manufacturing company based in Nunday, New York. Nunday is a very small town in Livingston County, situated kind of in between Buffalo and Rochester and a little bit south. Um, You said about an hour from Rochester going to talk about a lot of fun things today. I'm really excited about it. I think we're going to hit on some local manufacturing stuff. First off, Emily, thanks for coming on. How are you?
1: Thanks for having me, CJ. I'm super excited to be here and I'm, I'm good. I'm good. How are you?
0: I'm, I'm doing well. Um, I think it's hard to begin any conversation like this without acknowledging the elephant in the room, which is, you know, how are you doing during A global pandemic how is this affecting your business your family life you know mental health things like that Mm -hmm. Um, there have been parts of this that have been challenging for me certainly running a business with two small children four and two that's challenging my wife and I are both working from home we are very active people Uh, not just physically active but like we like to just go out and do things we're not ones to sit around at home for a while so that's been challenging but you know the business is doing well my family as well we're spending a lot of time together we're doing projects around the house so overall you know we're good we're good we're going to be we're going to be just fine and i guess we're appreciating the the newness of it all the the break in the pattern i think it's something to remember i think it's i think a lot of people even though nobody wants this to be happening will look back on it uh, fondly in some ways, whether it be personal growth or self reflection or anything. So, that's probably a longer answer than you bargained for. Huh. But uh, when somebody asks me how, am I, how I'm doing, they, they always get the full answer.
1: So, I like that. I think how, that's good. And I you? Family's well. And uh, it's hard for you know, extremely extroverted people. We have a lot of salespeople that I work with, for instance, who tend to be very extroverted people who are out meeting people all the time. And I think it is challenging, especially if you're that type of a person. I tend to be quite introverted. So for me, it's, I think, a little bit easier to spend time by myself and finding things to do around the house and stuff. But I can appreciate that for people who are very social. It's it's more challenging.
0: Yeah, but, that's that's important because, you know, on one hand, people often confer, confuse introversion with being shy. Being introverted doesn't mean you're shy. It just means that you... You, if you spend too much time around people, you, you drain yourself of energy. Whereas, right. so on the flip side, extroverts literally get energy by being around other people. I've, I heard one person characterize it as the real, the difference between introverts and extroverts is where's your battery, right? Extroverts, the batteries on the outside, introverts, the batteries on the inside. So, um, yeah, it definitely is, uh, a hard time. I don't know if by that you were assuming that I was an extrovert. Uh,
1: I was. I admit I kind of was just based on you saying that you and your wife are very active and you're yeah. out a lot doing things. Um, I shouldn't have assumed that. And I'm sure that everyone no, You were
0: right. You were right. Oh, okay. that. I just wanted I just wanted to point out that um, it was it was cool of you to assume that and also to point out that this is the first time we've we, we talked once on the phone a handful of weeks ago. This is The yeah. first time we've seen each other. So I'm really excited about this. You're, you're the first person that I've had on this podcast. That I, I don't have a little bit more of background with, and I find that super exciting
1: Wow, well, this is the virtual experience that we're all in right now isn't it That's it's right we're, we're meeting people virtually we're experiencing what that's like to be you know through a screen. It kind of weirds me out and I have to set myself up like I told you that I watched part of your podcast about mm-hmm. how to look okay on a camera because it's weird at first like you know you want you want to look uh, you know. Decent when you're talking to somebody, but it's weird because you're on a screen. So
0: Well, one of the things I think
1: Yeah, super happy to meet you virtually.
0: Oh, me too. This is great Um, so yeah, so one of the things I think is is worth mentioning about that is You know when you were normally one that's just like getting used to being on camera and making sure you you look good but if I'm sure you have sales reps and they go visit clients or prospects and they probably don't show up in like dirty jeans and a ripped t-shirt or sweatpants, right? They probably wear something semi-presentable, you you know, depending on the business or who you're visiting, right? Maybe your business casual, your business formal, you know, your hair's done, you've showered, right? All of those things. Like it's all part of the presentation. You hand a business card, right? So we no longer have those physical touch points. Absolutely. I still think presentation matters. And I'm very curious when I was going through that whole thing with Neil. And since then I've been thinking a lot about, I wonder uh, how businesses might respond um, to creating a, a structure uh, or some type of process to improve their presentation online. Like basic dress code, realizing that framing, lighting, audio is all part of, the presentation and and thinking about this much in the same way we would normally think about dress code, business card, other, other, you know, outreach policies.
1: I think that's genius and super cool. Even if you had everyone, you know, to maintain a sort of cohesive brand image and it might be fun. If everyone on your team, you know, dressed in certain colors and had maybe like some, some sort of like cute prop or something. Um, then everyone who has an experience with either a sales rep or someone from your company would have that feeling of your company, which is always important, you know, even, and I think it does get lost in this sort of exchange a little bit because, and it's nice because it's just me and it's just you and we're just individuals when we do this virtual chatting. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, a lot of the times we are representing a business when we do it. And you're, you're right. I think a lot of that, there's room for that to expand in this medium, because I don't think it's going away that soon. And I even think, you know, hopefully we can all get to back to work um, soon. But I think more virtual meetings will be acceptable when you don't need to travel halfway across the country. or You know what I mean? Even if 100%. we're back in office, it, it's more acceptable now to to say, I want to meet you virtually, and this is actually an important meeting also, you know.
0: Agreed. Even when things go back to normal, I don't think things are going to return fully to the way they are. And I think a big part of that is time. Time is everyone's most precious resource. It is the only resource that we all have the same amount of, right? And um, it, it really is incredibly valuable. And I think a lot of people are going to look at their time. And, you know, I live in Buffalo. So Buffalo is a city where there's not a ton of traffic compared to other major cities, right? So people don't spend a ton of time in the car, but still an average commute is probably 20 or 30 minutes, right? So we don't think a lot about a 30-minute commute being a big deal. But when you think about that, you do that twice in a day. That's an hour a day times five. That's five hours in a week. What would a a productive employee do if you gave them five hours back? in their week. And so I think it's, a, it's really just about time and it's about efficiency. Um, and you're seeing it being reflected already. I saw Google recently said that their employees, regardless of what happens, can work remotely for the rest of the year. Twitter just said that their employees can now work from home forever. Really? Yeah, I just saw that this week. Wow. Um, so I don't know if, if the tech companies in Silicon Valley are, are onto something or you if know, hmm. they're indicative of you know, the larger uh, pulse of the business community in this country, but I certainly found that interesting. And uh, I, I just believe, I, I, one of my clients actually um, is the president of a manufacturing company. And what he told me was, I mean, they're, thankfully they're doing well, they're essential, they're, they're still making a lot of stuff um, and they're a really great business. And what he said was, you know, quite frankly, like, I don't think I need to be at the office five days a week Uh, Mm -hmm. full days to run this company. You know, if I need to work from home a day or two a week, I think I can do that. And I think there, you know, in instances where he can, right, he has some factory workers who have to show up and run machines, right. But for those people who, you know, have more office jobs, you know, he mentioned that, you know, he would consider instituting a similar policy, especially when you also look at rent, you know, if people aren't showing up five days a week, maybe you don't need as much office space, you know, so, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, I totally agree with that. So tell me a little bit about your company,
1: Seating Inc. So, yeah, so Seating Incorporated, we're a chair manufacturer uh, here in Nunday, as, as you mentioned before. Uh, we've been here since 1989 and my parents actually started the company. So I was just a little girl when they started it and I pretty much grew up inside uh, the factory and watched it, um, you know, watched our products develop watch uh, the jobs develop and watch the company become what it is. Uh, so we make chairs for, um, you know, schools, hospitals, governments uh, across the USA and, and we build really strong chairs and we build them locally and we supply locally and that's what we do. We love making chairs. We're a crew and of chair builders.
0: That, yeah. is, that is really cool. See, um, when we first got connected, I didn't know the company existed. Um, mainly because I'm, what, maybe an hour and a half away. So I guess it shouldn't be fair to assume that I would know. But um, I have done a lot of work out that way, not in Livingston County, but in Wyoming County in the Perry area. And, uh, you know, those are small towns. So, you know, there, there's not a lot of big companies out there. So you guys must be the toast of the town out in Nunday. I do know a couple people from Nunday. I know them and I know them well, and I think very highly of them. So shout out to any of the Nunday peeps if they're watching or listening. But, yeah. I mean, you guys must be one of the biggest employers out there, right?
1: Uh, we're, we're a small company. We have about 30 employees. Uh, but in Nunday, that's, that's a good-sized company. You know, we yeah. do have, once again, Nut Butter is there. They're a pretty big manufacturing um, organization. They make wonderful organic peanut butter and nut butters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we're pretty big. And Nunday Lumber, Lumberyard um, is a pretty big company there in Nunday. Um, but yeah the jobs that we have are important jobs and they're local jobs so our crew can be you know not too far away from their kids at their kids schools in case you know whatever happens they have to pick up their kid etc Um, and it's local they can a lot of our crew can actually walk to work or just drive a short distance to get there so it's really you know they don't have to drive to the city to work and that's really valuable for a lot of people
0: yeah that's I would imagine that would be, you know, life-changing, you know, to be able to have a job in your line of work, whatever it is, and not feel like just because you live in a smaller town that you have to, I mean, we just talked about a 30 minute commute, maybe 45 or an hour, right? Just yeah. that's, that's significantly important. So um, yeah. you guys must, so you guys sell to primarily to other businesses. Is it office chairs or do, do you do a lot of, um, you know, personal residential as well?
1: so we're very much a b2b industrial level company which is probably why you haven't heard of us because most people who aren't in the furniture industry wouldn't have necessarily heard of us because we're in the industry of furniture and we're very much in that um however now that everyone is working from home we're having to reach out and reorganize our company to some degree to satisfy that need. Mm -hmm. I mean, so many people need chairs at home, they're sitting at home, their backs are starting to hurt, they're sitting at their kitchen tables, etc. These are generally people who don't normally work from home. If someone has a work from home office already, they probably have a chair. But a lot of people who have been um, displaced from their offices are feeling the pain of not having a good chair and they're reaching out to us. So we're responding to that need for the first time Ever because it's really um, what we've done. We really do B two B, but we we are realizing that we're going to have to help people and continue to support people in this time of need where people really need good chairs. And you you kind of only realize how much you need a good chair when you're sitting in a bad one and it's starting to hurt your body.
0: One hundred percent. My wife is in that situation right now. Um, But that's really interesting because a lot of times if you go to work for a company you are issued a computer, you know, mouse, keyboard, business cards, you know, maybe a pad folio or, you know, now these days I know like they'll issue headphones, right? Yeah. Especially in sales environments where you're, you're talking on the phone a lot. And normally those are issued at the office and you can take them home if you need to, if you have to work from home. I think there's been enough of that where people have grown accustomed to that. Now, all of a sudden, during this whole pandemic, everyone's taking all of the company-issued stuff, bringing it home, setting up at home. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes you wonder now, with the proliferation of remote work and work from home, if like something like a desk and chair would would fall into that. I would not be the least bit surprised if businesses start including that in the you know equipment that they provide all of their employees because you know chairs aren't cheap. Um, especially a good chair, and um, I've definitely sat in bad chairs. And with the amount of sitting I do, unfortunately, um, it would not be good if I if I if that if that chair was causing me pain. I can say that much.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's true. I mean, I think we'll have to see that businesses have invested uh, in their furniture already. And I think what's happening right now is people. There, you know, it's all. No one knows the timeline. So I, you know, some companies have decided to reinvest and and buy chairs for their at home um, office workers. And I think some are just like thinking they'll come back soon. They already have their chair and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So I think it's definitely a process and each company will decide as they move through it. But if more remote work is going to stay, I think that it probably will be a part of what a lot of business owners will do for their for their people. Yeah. So the industry, my industry is changing a lot in this, uh, in this, which is exciting, you know, not only the work from home aspect, but what are offices going to look like when they reopen? That's a big question. You know, um, the open office concept, a lot of people are saying is pretty much done. Like that's, it's, it's run its course and now people need to be more separated and spaces need to be more enclosed and stuff. So that's just how, you know, um, any kind of trend goes, whether it's in fashion, whether it's in office design stuff, things come and go, and we sort of realize the good aspects of of certain styles and designs and the more difficult aspects, and then we, we you know, find our way back and forth. Right.
0: 100%. So. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if, if the office will start to take a shape similar to what a co-working space looks like, where you have common areas for people who just you know, just need to sit at a computer and do work. They're okay if people are around them, whatever. And then anytime somebody has to take a call or be in the meeting, there'll probably be like little small private rooms or conference rooms for people to meet like that. I've, I've wondered, and then it's very conducive for people coming and going as they please. Yeah. Um, you know, cause I'm somebody who, you know, I started my business formally on December 1st. So I've been working from home since December 1st. I don't have an office yet. I hope to one day. Um, and I enjoy working from home. However, I prefer to have an office. I like the ritual. I need the energy of being around other people, and I think there's some other benefits too, but um, so I, I, I doubt it'll go all the way back the other way. The very interesting thing to think about is whatever hybrid model we land at. Yeah. I don't know, and you, you I'm sure you know much more than me because you know, you're you in the business of helping people you know, furnish their office spaces, so Um, I'm just, I'm just a joker with an opinion, but I do think about it. So,
1: yeah, I mean, no one really knows. Um, everyone in the industry is sort of guessing and, and putting ideas out there to see how they catch and what might be, um, the direction that we're moving. And it really all right now depends on health and the policies put in place for social distancing. Um, and it'll be interesting, you know? I don't think it's ever something that, you know, and it is what it is. I think it's constantly moving and we have to, as companies, adapt to that as much as possible and provide what's needed, you know? And I I think people will always need chairs. Um, So that's, I'm all for standing and moving and like, I'm, you know, into health and fitness and and standing desks and all that. But ultimately we all sit down for a certain amount of time, especially, you know, just to go off what you said, I love going to the office because that's like my control center. I have everything there. I have nice big monitor. I've got my chair. I've got like, you know, it's just a good place for me to really get a lot of work done and feel like, you know, I've got my phone there. It's just, it's nice being in the office. And mm-hmm. there's a buzz, you know, you know, I see the incoming orders. I can walk out and, you know, talk to the production crew. There's, there's um, definitely a value uh, in our business for being, for being there.
0: No doubt. No doubt. I think it is for a lot. And I, I'm with you on that. I just the energy and I feel more productive sometimes. Yeah. So you mentioned something that I want to latch on to because it was one, one of the things that we, we talked about when we were setting up a time to record this, you know, how great it is that you have a bunch of em- employees who are local who don't feel like they have to drive far, or go somewhere else to pursue their field. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I've, that I've heard people talk about is onshoring at being a potential, um, you know, outcome of this whole situation, bringing manufacturing jobs back to the U.S. So we, whether you talk about it as local as in domestic or local as in our communities, um, I'm sure that I know that you're very passionate about um, local manufacturing and, and the importance that it has. Um, what do you think is important for people to understand when it comes to the, the, import, the importance of local manufacturing?
1: Um, so the first thing I want to say is that I love that we're in a global economy. I'm very much an international person. I love traveling to different countries. I think it's so cool that we have this global economy to work with and creative ideas from everyone around the world. But I think, you know local manufacturing has so many good qualities in terms of what it brings to the community that is veiled and unseen to so many people and that's what i'd like to talk about is you know i've had the fortunate experience of being inside a manufacturing organization and witnessing the craftsmanship and witnessing what it means to work together as a team and those kinds of things. Whereas most people don't ever see it. And I think a lot of people, when they think of manufacturing, you know, have different ideas of what that means. And I think potentially see it as, you know, uh, a throwback to the early 1900s, like a difficult environment and like tough, jobs and stuff like that and i think
0: yeah like soot all over your face yeah, soot all
1: over your, like just really you know and i think that's a vision that people have of factories that really needs to sort of be opened up to go like this is what a factory is and the one of the one of the leaps i want us to try to make as a community is you know we value Thinking of like a craftsman, one person that has like a phenomenal craft, say they're a woodworker and they just create these beautiful pieces, we all can see the value of that kind of a talent, but somewhere between that individual talent and a crew of people on a production line the the jump is so extreme that people don't realize there's this in between level of manufacturing, and that's what we do at seating incorporated, and that's what I think is really important to the community because it's 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 an art it's it's basically really interesting skills and talents for the community to have
0: yeah art is making something that didn't exist before yeah right Right? that's not necessarily always scientific people may like it they won't you put it out there in the world to solve a problem or fulfill a purpose or whatever and it didn't exist before that's art you know writing is art you know Um, people would argue what we're doing is art although i don't necessarily feel like you know, like that. But if, if I was, I would say it meets my definition of art, although I feel silly calling this art because we're just a couple of people having a fun conversation. But um, yeah, I think that's really profound. What about from the economic standpoint too, not just from, you know, the, the perception of, of why, you know, maybe when there are more people involved in the manufacturing process uh the the like romantic nature of the, the solo craftsperson, it kind of subsides. There, there's certainly that from the perception um, standpoint, but what about from an, an economic standpoint? Everybody knows, right? Um, <clears throat> well, at least has been taught that local manufacturing is better for the economy. Do you think perhaps we underestimate how, how good it is for our economy and maybe the costs of not supporting local manufacturing companies?
1: Yeah, so I think um, from an economic standpoint, there are two aspects. One is from a business owner side. And from a business owner side, looking at the demand for a certain product and the price that people are willing to pay and figuring out how you're gonna make that happen often means manufacturing gets shipped elsewhere because American labor is very expensive. Um, and then I think you know, from the consumer point of view, we have to realize that what we're paying for is reflecting in our society and in our communities and so when we're out there for instance you know asking for higher wage rates and asking like we have to realize what that means you have to invest into what you're asking for and you have to plant the seeds for what you want to reap and as we give funds and pay for local products we're creating the the ability for small companies to pay American workers. And that's really, it comes down to that. It's so simple. And and I think, you know, I hope I said it as simply as it is, but it really is that, you know, what we're paying into, what we're putting our money into is what develops the opportunity for jobs and for good jobs. Yeah. In the local community.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So if a product is commoditized, meaning we're only interested in the maybe the lowest cost option, then that, is going to go to the lowest cost provider which means it's not going to go to an american manufacturing company which means we're not going to have american manufacturing jobs yeah i mean you can right. follow the paper trail pretty simply on that
1: yeah and it goes you know from an individual consumer level all the way to you know government levels and large business levels making those decisions because we see the bottom line and a lot of bid opportunities and everything it's it's price point you know that's all they're looking at but And some are starting to look at more and we've realized as a society we have to look at more but it doesn't make sense for instance for the new york state government to buy a foreign product when they have a new york state company here that by buying that product you're creating you know you're creating jobs yes it's it's, you know what you know what i mean it just there should be a, a way to close the loop that our actions make sense and don't have to. We don't have to then create these offshoots all over the place to try to create job stimulation. You know what I mean? We yeah. wouldn't have to try so hard if we just made conscious decisions to support each other locally, yeah, uh, wherever possible. You know, wherever it makes good sense.
0: Yeah, and I think I think we're seeing a little bit of a, a tide change on that. I remember reading something at least ten years ago where it was like a lot of the domestic auto companies so gm and ford and and you know chrysler they tried to appeal to our patriotic sensibilities and they all ran a bunch of campaigns with like john cougar Mellencamp songs about you know how these cars were made in the usa and they really fell flat on their faces like they didn't work and i remember reading something it was like an article somewhere that somebody just said you know like americans don't care if their cars are made in America and that's that they just want them to be good. They want them to, you know, be high quality and they want them to uh, be affordable and things like that. And I think, I mean, this is not for me to say, but I think you can make it. I've heard a lot of people who follow the industry closely make a case that uh, a lot of our domestic um, auto manufacturers maybe took their eye off the ball for a little while and, you know, have since have like focused a lot more on making better cars. But I also think that, um, you're seeing a lot more uh, consciousness building over the last several years, I think, in terms of the, like, the importance of um, buying local. I mean, even things, something like Etsy, you know what I mean? Like you can support, um, you know, you can support a, a teenager or a single mom or a retired person who has a passion project of making things um, as opposed to, you know, something that, you know, came from, the internet across the world, you know, in some, some giant factory, right. And you're, you're supporting, you're supporting local people, um, between that and, you know, the emergence of you hearing talking people talking about onshoring and bringing manufacturing back to the U.S., i S I'm definitely encouraged by, um, I think some of the trends that we're seeing and and realizing that, you know, it's, it's actually fun to support local, even if that means paying five or 10% more in some instances. Right. Cause like, um, not only might you be getting a better product, but you're playing a part in keeping our community stronger. And that's been really apparent to me living in in Buffalo. I'm not from here, but I've been here 12 years. And so in a post-industrial city that's had its fair share of economic struggles, um, when, when you care about that city, and you read about the issues and and why, you know, it has struggled economically and and some of the things that are working to help it come back, you realize that a lot of it like supporting local is really connected to a lot of things a lot of a lot of chain restaurants do not do well in buffalo but do fine in other markets because people here are so fiercely loyal to the local restaurants and the food scene and that's really cool it'd be nice to see that extended to really other aspects of retail and commerce i think
1: yeah i agree and i think you know part of it is just letting people know what's going on here a lot of people like you, didn't even know, for instance, that Seeding ink is even here because we are not telling people that we're here. We're working with businesses in, you know, several territories across the U.S. Um, rather than, and now that's why, you know, there are things like manufacturing days, which different counties are putting on and Livingston County puts on, where they invite the community into manufacturing facilities and go, look what's happening here. You know, and that just goes back to what I said, you know, a while ago, which is that a lot of people just don't realize what is happening and the manufacturing that's happening and the skills that are there and the jobs that are there. And I think when people open their eyes to it, they're like, oh, that's cool. Like that's actually, that is cool. That is something I want to be a part of, you know? And then it is nice when a local company gives back because obviously we do, you know, we give to local sports clubs, we give to, you know, school clubs. Events that are going on, stuff like that. So, businesses also can
0: pay bad. salaries for 30 people in the community that yeah. maybe wouldn't be able to live there if, the, if not for that job. You yeah.
1: Know? Yeah. So, all of those things I think are really important. And I also think, you know, the value of people realizing that it's happening. One of the things I'm doing in response to what's happening right now is I'm developing a virtual tour of our facility and i'm right now i'm just giving it to our sales reps so that they can speak to their dealers and set up meetings and show them inside the facility so when people actually are stuck home it takes them somewhere else and shows them something that they haven't seen before and i'm thinking about expanding that and opening that up to you know random people to my friend groups and all the and just you want to see something that's happening that you just had no idea was behind that wall that you just never saw and i think um I think that's a huge part of it. A lot of it, you know, it's it's the consumer but it's also businesses having to go like there's a reason to support us and there's a reason that this is cool and and you know making an effort to say like this is what it means to support local.
0: Yeah. Is- I think I think sim- simply documenting what you do Um, especially the parts that are interesting is really effective from a marketing standpoint. I mean, you guys are already doing this. All you have to do is turn a camera on and press record, right? Obviously there's a little bit more to it than that, but um, that's actually one of the reasons why I'm doing this. I have, what I found, right? So if I, I run a marketing business and um, you know, I have, very interesting conversations with clients. I, you know, oftentimes get introduced to somebody, we go for coffee, we have interesting conversations and usually it it focuses on marketing and their business, but sometimes we just, we riff, kind of like we're doing right now. And so like having these types of conversations is like a natural part of my business and growing my business. And so I just thought, you know, now I'm at a point where it has to be done through here. So I might as well just do it through Zoom and press record and share it. Now, I'm largely doing this for fun, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't say that there wasn't some part of me that thought, well, well maybe this is an additional way to get some more exposure for, for my business, right? So more people hear hear about me and things like that. So um, I don't talk about it a lot. Uh, but again, it's just one of those things where um, it's, so, it's so much easier to document the things that you're already doing than to go out of your way and, and do new things right? To create new things. So I think that would be great for you. I think a lot of people would be really interested to see what that's like. I mean, we probably all all remember as kids, whether it be on PBS, seeing a clip of how crayons are made in the factory or something like that, right? Like, I think there's, there's a part of us that are just drawn to how things are made, right? We watch, we watch cooking videos on, on Facebook, right? You stop at those. Like I just think there's something inherently interesting about something coming together, And um, so I think that would be really good for you to to, like peel back the curtain and show people how that works. And you'd probably be surprised. There's probably a lot of people who wouldn't be in your target audience, but who would like it just because it's cool to watch.
1: Right. And that's what I'm starting to realize in this time of, you know, virtual community is why not let a few more people see what we're doing and go like, whoa, there's this thing happening in our town, you know, like. Even just so they know that there's these, there are these, it makes, it makes people feel good to know that there are certain vibrant things happening in their town or in their state or whatever. Yeah. you know It's nice to be a part of something that's vibrant and interesting. It, yeah. it, it adds something to you, right? It adds something to your life and your community. And, and yeah, just to, just to add on to what you're saying from a marketing perspective, I think so many of us, our jobs are sort of just something we do and where i think we're going maybe with this new changing world etc is that we're we're more willing to say like this is what i do like i make chairs i'm the person i'm the chair girl or whatever and you know a blacksmith for instance will do that like everyone knows the local blacksmith i do i ride horses like that's a part of who he is and we love having a great blacksmith and everyone knows the blacksmith and calls him when they need their horses shoes on. Right. And I think so much of that gets lost because we all feel like we almost shouldn't talk about what we do or either because we don't care or we just feel like we, you know, it's too promotey. And I think we don't have to be promoting ourselves. We just say, this is what we do. Yeah. You know, so people go, oh yeah, she like, whereas other people might never know that I make chairs if I don't say I make chairs. You know what I'm saying? It's such a simple thing, yeah. but I do think that is going to change in our society as we all, you know, through virtual and other things just are representing our company to circle back to where we started. You know, I'm here representing a chair company, but by looking at me, you might not be able to tell that. Right. Yeah. To talk about it. I have to say that's, that's right. What it
0: is. Pride in your work and unwanted yeah. solicitation are two different things. You can, be, you could be very proud of what you do and own it and tell people about it without making them feel like, I don't know, uncomfortable, I guess.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Well, that's really cool. So I'm glad you brought that up because what I was going to ask about next is um, you mentioned earlier that, that you're an active person. And I was going to ask, so what are, you do, what are you doing for fun during all of this? You ride horses. How would you I've get been, into that?
1: I've been riding horses since I was little, since I was three years old. So um, I got into it because my family had horses and I was lucky enough to lessons. And so I've just kept that going. Um, it's, I'm very fortunate. I just feel so grateful. One of the great things about being in the rural space that we're in here in Livingston County is there's a lot of open space. Um,
0: so you could just ride a horse wherever, or does it have to be like on your property?
1: Yeah. 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 Because yeah, we have a lot of open space. So
0: do you ever ride your horse to a store?
1: Not yet, but I asked my sister recently if, it's illegal to take your horse down the road. And she said she didn't think so. I know the Amish communities do it around here. Um, Obviously they have their horse and carriage and they're on the road, Um, but I didn't know if they had special licenses or anything, but I've definitely thought about it. I'm like, let's go back to horse and carriage, let's do it. But I know we're not going to, but every once in a while, I kind of wish that there were places that I could tie my horse up at the store. That's so cool. Yeah.
0: You should petition to do that. I've never been on a horse. Um, I wouldn't rule it out, but I am kind of scared of it. Um, cause they're just massive animals, Yeah,
1: yeah but they're
0: pretty, they're pretty gentle most of the time. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, you really have to horses are very sensitive creatures. They're, they're very big, but they're extremely sensitive. So I think that's what people might not understand when they're scared of horses is that, um, you don't have to do big movements and stuff around them because they're very, very sensitive. Because they're they're flight animals, so they're you know looking for a danger and anything little thing will help them will make them jump, etc. Yeah. So I've I've gone there. up and like pet
0: them before. Oh,
1: good. Um, okay.
0: Yeah. So I wouldn't say it's like a deep fear, but like the idea of getting on one and yeah. riding it, knowing how big they are and what would happen if they were to like buck me, that scares me.
1: Well. You do fall off. I mean my first riding instructor told me you're no good until you fall off a hundred times. So wow. you
0: do fall
1: off. yeah, it's a thing. You fall off. I mean it's when I when you start young, it's kind of easier because you're just little and you fall off and they pop you back on the pony and yeah. It's not fun. I don't like falling off. Always wear a helmet. I never ever get on a horse without a helmet. Ever. Not for a minute.
0: Just like riding a bike. But it's not just like riding a bike. <laughs>
1: It's a little different because you've got a live animal yeah. with their own ideas.
0: Yeah. And
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: You so. can't just go like this to break.
1: Right. Right. I mean, you can, there are certain ways that you do certain things, but horses are very, you know, they have their own ideas. They're very much alive and, and spirited. And that's, one, that's part of the fun of it. But it also is, is why it's a little different than riding a bike. You
0: just said spirited. My daughter loves this cartoon on Disney Plus called Spirit. It's a, it's a cartoon of three girls and three horses and they go out and save the day and stuff like that.
1: Break that down because I'm really into, like I love children's music and I used to love My Little Pony and stuff like that. So I'm going to check that out just for my own Yeah, story.
0: Spirit. It's on Netflix too, I think.
1: Okay, sweet.
0: Um, yeah, it's got a theme song. She sings it. She's got like a couple of the characters from it. Um, it's, really, it's really cute. So how many horses do you have? Uh, we have four. Wow, what are their names?
1: Wilson. Houdini, Sam, and Spud.
0: Wow. <laughs> Those are funny names.
1: <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Yeah. They're cool. They're awesome. They're are, they, like, are they all males? Yeah, they're all, they're all males. Yeah.
0: Is there a name for a male horse versus a female horse? Like there is a deer? Like buck and doe?
1: Yeah. So um, they're all geldings. Oh, gelding. A female is a mare.
0: Right. Okay. And
1: then there's a stallion. But and what's our, a stallion? A stallion is a breeding horse, basically.
0: Got it. Okay. Yeah. That's what I figured. I wasn't sure if there was anything else. Um, cool. Well, listen, Emily, I really like, I have really appreciated this conversation. I really, I like you and I like your energy. I think not only was it fun to talk about horses, but I think to a larger point, um, it was fun speculating with you on everything that's going on, where this is going, the importance of, of local manufacturing. Um, I want to thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to chat with me and um, maybe we can do it again sometime.
1: Cool. Thanks CJ. It's really cool that you're doing this and uh, keep it up.
0: Thank you so much. Take care.